Hey, Cameron. Yeah, Miles? Have you ever heard of the court jester? No. Well, that's not very witty. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> Only the sharpest eye, the keenest nose, the quickest deer and the fleetest toes can ever outfox the fox. They'll never outfox the fox. Only the stoutest arm, the bravest heart, with a magic charm and a good head start, will ever outfox the fox. They'll never outfox Hello, the fox. Hello, everybody. This is Have You Ever Heard Of, of course. I'm Miles. And I'm Cameron. <laughs> and today we are talking about a very interesting show from 1955 called The Court Jester. I recently saw this from a meme that I really liked, a small piece of it, and then I decided to watch the movie. And I watched the whole thing, saw how much music is in here, and being a fan of music and knowing Cameron is a fan of music, I decided to introduce him to it. Uh, have you ever heard of this movie before, Cameron? Uh, yes, actually. I had heard of it because um, another music friend of mine had told me that it was their favorite movie, and that's it. That's about as far as it went. I looked it up on Wikipedia and saw that it was like an older film and was kind of like, oh, older film, it's a period film, it's a comedy. Cool. I should have to check that out sometime. Five years later, here we are. Now I finally get to check it out. Exactly. So uh, for those of you who don't know about the movie, in medieval England, a coup has occurred and the ruling family had been overthrown and killed. All that remains is a child heir, and uh, he's being kept safe by a band of merry men, outlaws, eh, whatever you, you, you want to think. And the court jester is tasked with keeping the child out of harm's way, even though he's actually in the thick of the whole in the thick of the danger. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the fun of it, right? You know, he's tasked with keeping the child safe. And shenanigans occur, and next thing you know, he's uh, trying to figure out how to actually do that and not have the child be found and killed. Yes. That seems, you know, really dark, considering that it's a comedy movie. Or maybe not dark, but that seems like really heavy drama. Like it's like a, a like an action film or something, you know? Yeah, which is really weird for a time when basically all the action films were war movies. Or westerns. They need more guns. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, <clears throat> but uh, no. Th <laughs> this movie is like really funny. Yeah, I totally like, agree. I uh, After I saw that one meme, which is uh, part of a scene from the movie... I thought, okay, this is actually really fun, and I have to find more about this. So, of course, I did my research on it and came across the movie, and I watched the whole thing. And at the end of it all, I said, wow, I'm thoroughly entertained by this. Like, I uh, I don't know if I'll say I have, a, I have a taste for older movies. I usually like the newer stuff, minus Mar uh, Marvel and all that. Sorry, superhero movies don't do it for me. But uh, ultimately, I really love the way this movie is portrayed. The pacing for it was excellent. The characters were cartoony but believable. Uh, I really liked it. So, which scene was this meme? Because there's a few scenes that I can think of in this movie that would have made amazing memes. Well, uh, since you're rhyming just like the court jester, I'll tell you it was the uh, <laughs> uh, in the very beginning when we first meet uh, the main host mm -hmm. of this show, mm -hmm. the main the main actor of this show, uh, Danny right. Kaye. Right. Uh, he was doing his song 
about being the black fox, even though he is not the black fox. Right. Oh, oh, you're talking about the bit where all of a sudden he's just like he starts multiplying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I loved it. It was it was beautiful. Um, perhaps I'll throw it up on the social media or something when we put this out. So that way you guys can see it and enjoy it just as much as I did. OK, because I was I was wondering if it was going to be like um, some of the stuff that they have later in the film. But OK, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And that's like what? Like first five minutes or something of the movie that you have that song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was great. <laughs> so we're going to go into more of the spoiler territory here. Um, but before we do that, I might as well ask you, Cam, would you recommend this movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will have anybody I know watch this movie. You will enjoy something in this movie. It really goes all over the place, and it really uh, kind of pokes fun at itself a little bit, but it does it very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely, I would recommend this to anybody. Okay, well, let's go into the spoiler territory and uh, cue a little bit of music, perhaps uh, maybe yeah, a little bit of the intro of it. and uh, Hear some Danny Kay singing, we'll see you all in a little bit. When I was a lad, I was gloomy and sad as I was from the day I was born. When other babes giggled and gurgled and wiggled, I probably was loudly forlorn. My friends and my family looked at me clamorly, thought there was something amiss. When others found various antics hilarious, all I could manage was this. Oh, this. <laughs> oh, this. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to the part, into the spoiler territory where we're diving into the show. Um, Which, of course, means that we're going to, you know, talk about scenes that happen later, like when I was about to screw up and talking about what I thought would be a meme, I was thinking of when they do the night trials. Oh, that is so memeable. Yes. Well, let's get, <laughs> let's get to that in a second here. Let's talk about some of the stuff that happens in the intro. Uh, let's first of all talk about the cast of this show. Yeah. Because like, uh, there's a lot of people in here that, uh, if you're into the older genre of stuff, you would definitely recognize. Well, I mean, even... Not even just that, the fact that some of the people in this, this was like kind of like their breakout film sort of thing, because some of the like the two main actresses in this, Angela Lansbury and Glynis Johns, go on to have like huge careers on like Broadway and, and, and other films and stuff like that. And here they are already like doing pretty good with the with the roles that they have. Um, which I guess maybe just goes to show that they broke out really well <laughs> for which doing is, a movie like this. <laughs> which is actually very interesting, because this movie did not do well at the box office. It actually bombed. Um, really? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, wow. It did not make very much money. It was very unsuccessful. Uh, fiscally was unsuccessful, I should say. Oh, okay. uh, it earned high scores on Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, so it nowadays, really that great. So nowadays, everyone thinks it's great. Well, but... that's because... Uh, in 2004, the, jet, the court gesture was actually included in the annual selection of 25 motion pictures added to the National Film Registry of the oh, Library of Congress. Oh, okay. So it's preserved. Yes. It nice. was deemed culturally and historically or aesthetically significant mm. and was recommended for the preservation. So people looked back at this and turned around and said, hey, this film has something and it's important, whatever it was. Honest, if you ask me... It's probably both the pacing, because the pacing was unbelievable, and also the sound balancing. Personally, I hate the sound balancing in movies these days. I feel like I have to wear the earplugs I use at the shooting range, because 
you know, it's super quiet some parts and I need to boost the volume so I can hear what they're mumbling about. And then, and then all of a sudden there's gunshots. Just... Yeah. And of course they're trying to make it sound like actual gunshots in the theater. I don't know why they'd want to do that. Uh, there was, especially in the States or around here, the, after the whole Batman incident thing that happened. Like, oh, oh, you mean like, oh. Yeah, you know, right, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I think yeah. that would be kind of a stupid thing to do. But apparently this is this is what the people want. And I don't want it. I don't want what the people want here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. But I I personally feel that if there was anything that they felt that maybe it deserved to be preserved, also just had to do with like representation in it. Because of the fact that, again... Um, Angela Lansbury and Glynis John's characters are very central to the plot and they're very involved too like yes female leads that are actually like not a damsel in distress they actually have they have a point and they 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 have they advance the plot Mm -hmm. very much so I mean because um, the captain she she's more or less the one who is actually like running the show um even though uh Danny Kay's jester is going around and he's the central focusing character but because he's a jester he's always being a goof and always making jokes and whatnot and he's getting wrapped up in everything and she's a woman in medieval times and also the 1950s so she can't have too much to do and yet She's the one who still is like, you're going to do this at this time. This is our signal. She's and the, the mastermind. Yeah. She is, for, for those 5e referencers out there, she is the rogue mastermind. She controls the shots. She's the one getting everybody involved, trying to get everything to work and save the lives. Uh, and uh, Mildred Nadwick uh, uh, as Griselda. Ah, yes. So, the witch. Mildred uh, Natwick was amazing for being a witch, somebody who's trying to influence the princess and like get her on her side. I don't know if we really, I didn't really catch what her whole job was, like what she was trying to do. I think she was just trying to be well off. Uh, She wasn't trying to advance some sort of uh, underlined plot to overthrow everything, but she was just trying to stay, um, I guess you could say she's trying to be uh, Rasputin. Yeah, so if I was to say, um, much like most other witches that seem to be in stories like this, she probably came across the princess at some point and made some kind of an arrangement, but because Angela Lansbury's princess is very headstrong, very bullish, and very, I want what I want, and I will get what I want, and I will do whatever it takes basically just kind of like overpowered the witch in a way to now that she's involved, she's kind of like, oh God, what did I get myself into? She keeps talking about how she's going to kill me if, you know, uh, if if things don't go the right way and stuff like that. So now she's just kind of like, I need to do this because otherwise I'm going to die and I don't want to die. <laughs> I think she was like, oh, look at me. I found a great, I found myself a great little, uh, what would you call it? A great little never-ending fruit tree. And then it turns around and she went, oh, crap, this requires so much maintenance. What was I thinking? (laughs) Yeah. Like, wow. She is high maintenance now that you mention it. (laughs) I mean, she became Princess of England. I mean, if you're born in it, there's a chance you're not going to be very uh, 
high maintenance. But if you come into it, well, by all means, everything is for you then, isn't it? That's a very good point. You know, she, uh, as her father said, you will do as I tell you. And she says, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, it sounds like my D&D character. <laughs> so, yeah, um, from that perspective, I feel like just that alone is probably something that would be like, wow, considering films at the time, and then you look back on it, you know, uh, 50 years later, so then it's like, yeah, we should preserve a film like this because it's tasteful. Oh, it's and super tasteful. It's, it, it, it's still kind of relevant these days, mm. I'd say. Um, comparing it to like some of the newer ones, sure, it's not as dark and edgy and doesn't have all that blood, but you don't need that. Um, it holds its own very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's silly. It's funny, but it's not silly funny. Um, it's not like fart jokes and humor like that, that we kind of grew up with. And I don't know, it's been kind of weaning recently. It's, it's very vaudeville. Um, with like the kind of like physical slapstick humor that occurs, but again, it's all very just kind of like in line with the silliness of uh, the circumstances, right? We need to do situational this situational oh, humor. There we go. Situational that's, humor. There, yes. that that's a better way to describe it. And some of it, um may seem kind of tired or kind of trite a little bit, but I think the thing that I like about it is the fact that there's so much happening all at once. It's very much kind of one of those just kind of like keep throwing things at the wall to see what sticks sort of thing, and you never really get like a uh, a quiet moment, at least when we come to like the actual comical scenes, like whenever they snap their fingers, and therefore he keeps switching back and forth between the bewitched personality that the witch puts the heroic him under. hero yeah yeah, yeah who's the... coming to get the princess yep and, and then, then himself, himself who's a kind of a goofy person that's totally not a little in over his head oh a little <laughs> a i little. think you mean a lot it's like a little but it's a lot so <laughs> uh yes so that was a great scene with him with, with uh, them snapping their fingers uh, and it keeps happening it. That's the other thing, too, is that it keeps coming back. Yeah, and then uh, they, they keep doing it over and over, and he keeps flipping back and forth, and he doesn't know what's going on, but mm -hmm. he's still under these controls. It was excellent. I think my favorite bit about like it carrying over is when he's having the sword fight at the end with Basil Rathbone... Well, let's, let's talk about some other stuff before yeah. we get there. All right, all right, but um, I'm just going to say that like that is, like, a great way to have, like, tension, but also have levity, too. Yes. But, yes, you're right. We'll, we will get to that. So uh, let's talk about another great scene in this where he's talking to the king, mm -hmm. uh, and they're, he's doing a whole lot of alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. All the time, because, uh, of course, alliteration is hilarious, especially in the right context. And he even has the king doing it, and the king's trying to understand what's going on, and, of course, uh, Danny Kaye's character is just doing it to be funny mm -hmm. and the king doesn't realize it until the very end and he's like oh my god this is hilarious you know he, this guy's a master of his craft i think that's um again like the whole situational aspect of it is that he's in over his head for like pretty much everything when he's being giacomo the the, the court jester um but because he has that kind of natural silliness that works well to being a jester everyone just thinks that he's doing his job 
Exactly. And it's just like, oh, that's just how jesters are. He's being silly and he's doing stupid things. And in his mind, he's like, ah, 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 ah. oh, God, oh, God, I hope they buy this. And he's sitting there playing Please his guitar. Please don't die. He's sitting there playing his guitar yeah, when, right. uh, when the princess says she's in love with the court jester. And he just he's repeats like, it. Oh, and he's what? like, wait, <laughs> what's going on here? I have said myself and oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it was excellent. Uh, let's talk about another great scene that arrived here. Uh, one that you said would be very memeable, and I, oh, oh my god, another unbelievable aspect of the movie. Let's talk about when he becomes a knight. His knighthood tasks. Yeah. <laughs> How happy those guards were to like throw him around, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna make you a knight. Uh, we can absolutely do that. That's not a problem." <laughs> I like the fact that everyone's just in on this. Like everyone just understands that it's like. Well, normally it takes years and years to pass these tests. And it's like, you're right. But you know what? We need to make you a knight so that you can go and have this combat with the other guy. And we can, you can die. And then everyone's problems are resolved. <laughs> so we're going to do whatever it takes. If that means that we're just going to shoot the hawk for you. That's what we'll do. Didn't even shoot the hawk. They just stabbed the oh, hawk yeah. with an arrow and threw it at him. Like... <laughs> Or he's like, he has to go fight the pig in the in the pit, oh, yeah, and they yeah. just let out a little piglet <laughs> instead of an actual like boar. I like that we don't even get to see what he does when he's wrestling the boar. They basically just throw him in. He's off. He's off camera, and they're just like completed. Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? Who knows? But you have to scale this wall in full plate. Throw him over with a log. Oh. Oh my god, that was hard. That That part is what I'm thinking of in terms of like a meme. Just like the. I'm not gonna lie. I actually had to re watch it because I fell over laughing and missed that whole actual part. Like the rest that came after it for a good solid five, six minutes. Just the way they do it. Again, like I was saying with the vaudeville and like the physical comedy, it's things like that that just like. It just works so well. So uh, let's let's move on to the next part that I uh, absolutely <laughs> loved in this. Which well, I thought uh, you had more that you wanted to say about like the the knight tasks. Oh yes, uh, the tests of knighthood are definitely something that I would absolutely love to throw at somebody in either a D and D game or a Hackmaster game. Mm. I think it would be absolutely hilarious to like take either a rogue character or a bard character. Uh, maybe even a wizard and like be like oh yeah you know we're gonna make you a knight and we're gonna push you through the knight trials uh, and i'd absolutely use these sort of uh scenes as uh i would use these scenes mm-hmm. uh to sort of be the the creativity behind these are the sources behind my creativity of just like pushing them through the trials and you know keeping things lighthearted and funny well, advancing uh, the plot forward, if I had to ever throw PCs at uh, okay. at something that they would probably see themselves as not ready for yet, but I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, you're high enough level, and I can fudge the other guy and make him a little bit lower, and you know, maybe ah, give you some boons okay. or something, and you know, or uh, even just kind of like make it seem like it's something serious and might you know be character ending or something like that, and then it turns out, no, 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 this is just a this is just kind of a fun little trial for you. Yeah, and you, you know, just like have to wrestle gets... a boar. What? Oh yeah, it's easy. You wrestle a boar. They 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 throw you into the pit and it's covered in mud and 
The walls are about uh, five feet high, so the boar can't get out. And uh, they open up the gate, and out comes uh, the boar. It is about six inches long and uh, four inches high, <laughs> barely able to swim above the muck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the guard turns around and says, task completed, and puts a big check mark on his task list and carries on. To the you next. showed up. Good job. You passed. You were forced to show up. You passed. <laughs> you were voluntold. Uh, that, would, that would be interesting. I would... Hmm... I would I would look forward to seeing something like that in a campaign. Oh, yes. Let's carry on a little more here. Uh, once he has became knighted, or he's... Mm -hmm. uh, right before he becomes knighted, during the, the process, oh, the ceremony. Right, knighted, yeah. And the king just turns to him and says, Hurry this up, but we have to do the process. Be damned with the... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, damn, or let tradition hang, or... Well, it wasn't necessarily that. He just he just said, you know, Speed let, let's just get this through faster. And then all of a sudden, everyone's just like, okay, sure. And then just like the, the, the music speeds up and everyone just like starts marching through at a way faster pace. I just love that everyone is like so, so good at what they're supposed to do. Like, I guess they've done this more than enough times in the past with other knighthoods that they just know everything. So it's like, okay, everyone, double time. Okay. We're going to say all the chants at double time now, and they just... Well, they probably had to do it multiple times because this guy did overthrow the King of England. He this has is... to recreate his new council of knights, right? This is a good point. This is a, this is a very valid point. So they probably are like, oh, at least this is being done faster. We can get out of here sooner. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. I mean, again, with the fact that everyone is just like so enthusiastic about, yep, let's just let's get this over with. The, the sooner, the better. And we'll just go back to what we were doing before. Yep, I am. Um, like, it's like the guards and all of the people don't really have any malice towards any of the lead characters. They're just like, yep, this is what I got to do. This is my job. Let's just, let's get it done. Just like a good guard should be. <laughs> <laughs> this is my job. Let's, let's go. Let's get out of here. So uh, once he becomes a knight, uh, of course, he has to fight Giacomo. Well, he's Giacomo, oh, and no, then he no. has to... You're, you're talking the, uh, about Griswold, right? Griswold, yeah. Griswold. He has to fight Griswold yeah. for the hand of uh, the, princess. the princess. And uh, I love the whole scene and everything where he finds out that, oh, the, you shouldn't have to fight. Uh, we poisoned one of the drinks. And this is actually one bit that everybody seems to remember about this movie. Is the... Uh, oh, the, the specific tongue twister that they have? For... Yes, the, uh, the pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has a brew that is true. And of course, that rhyme gets mixed up very heavily in and throughout, and the one guard catches them he's saying this and tells uh, Griswold. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're like fighting over it. But on top of it, one of my favorite parts about this is his armor gets struck by light and becomes magnetized. So he's... Uh, he, he He's like saying this to himself, and the guard's like, oh, don't forget your helmet. And he's like... Oh, yes, and the helmet, like, flies towards yep. him and he catches He's like, oh, thank you, as if he thought somebody handed it to him. But, of course, he's so <laughs> set on trying to remember this uh, this simple little mm -hmm. tongue twister. That, that way he doesn't, you know, take the wrong one and die, get poisoned. I have to I have to laugh with the fact that they, they both just kind of forget, and so they're just fighting over the drink. And so then the, you know, imposter king's just like, oh, my God, take the drinks away, go get on your horses fight yeah <laughs> this is stupid 
This is why we do not let jesters become knights. <laughs> yep, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I I feel like the the fight scene that they have is probably one of the only parts in the film where I was just kind of like, and eh, now we're taking real creative license in terms of like what we're using because normally if you're going to do something like that with horse combat, you would joust and you would use lances. And instead, they're using flails and maces, actually, or morning stars. Well, they're they're specifically flails because they're they're attached with the chains, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the interesting thing about that is that I think I remember reading somewhere a few years back that there's no like actual evidence that the flail, as we know of it, was ever used by knights. They would either have lances. Or they would have war hammers, and that, or they would have like morning stars, and that's pretty or much the, all they would. Or the swords. Well, horse. you wouldn't. I think I remember reading that you didn't usually use your swords on horseback because if you got it, kind of, it it was a lot more cumbersome to use on horseback, and so that was more if you were dismounted, then you would use your sword, well, and then of course it depends on who you're fighting against or whatever, which is why hammers, war hammers were a big thing. You either have the spike bit so that you can pierce plate or you have, you know, the, the hammer bit and you can just knock them out. Knock them out. <laughs> so one thing I will also add about swords is uh, swords in the medieval era were actually a lot like handguns today in the States. Yeah. Uh, they were heavily regulated. Well, I guess you could say not in the States. They're like handguns in Canada. Uh, they're heavily regulated. It takes quite a bit to train to actually use them properly. Mm-hmm. And they were not designed for the actual combat that most people would do. Yeah. Uh, when you see these movies and stuff and you see the two sides full of swords and boards and they slam up against each other, that just didn't really happen. Uh, most combat was actually done with either things like pikes, spears, or... Um, Clubs, maces, that sort of thing. Well, just long weapons, like pole oh, arms. Oh, yeah, 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 right. pole arms gave you the reach. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that would be very effective. You know, you, you can hit that guy over there and keep him over there. You, yeah. You, you're not letting him get close to you. Yeah. So, uh, and also a spear, a pike, those kind of weapons used very little iron compared to a sword. Right. A sword was a lot of iron. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, was a lot of resource to In use. addition to generally, you'd probably want to make it out of steel as well so that it's more durable. Well, when they Which, had of course, steel, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there, you, not everybody has a sword because <laughs> you need the materials to make the sword and make it actually last. So uh, one thing that I did here, I don't know about the truthfulness behind this, but it was a neat little thing I heard. Um, steel weapons were actually manufactured by the Norse and they were found to be manufactured quite early because mm-hmm. one thing that would happen is they would actually make a sword using the bones of their ancestors. And that would add the carbon into the blade to make the steel. Ah. So, uh, you know, they made these weapons and they thought that they were, uh, their spirits were connected to the weapon. But it turns out that they were just made out of a better metal than mm. iron. Uh, sure, by all means, it's, I'm not saying that it's up to the quality of steel that we use today. But uh, it was definitely better than just the iron they had before. Yeah, and... Um, because that's similar to how they were doing it in, uh, like, the Middle East, as we know of it now, they had similar kind of like metallurgical processes that they just weren't doing in Europe. I mean, oh yes, the this, dye 
Di- the Dam- you're talking like Damascus Steel, Damascus right? Steel, yeah. yeah. And the, the people um, who made Damascus Steel were actually all killed because uh, they didn't want that right, secret they, to get yeah, out. And yeah. of course, if it got out, they could manufacture way better weapons than the mm-hmm. than the English had, and they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're, let's, we're, uh, we're definitely going a, let, a ways here. Let's leave all of this to like people like Shadowversity <laughs> and uh, Skull. I forget his name right now. Skull uh, Skola Gladiatoria. Yeah, Skola yeah. Gladiatoria. Mm-hmm. And that. We'll let them deal with all that history. We're not history buffs here. We're just uh, two guys talking about interests. Uh, let's move on forward with this plot. Uh, after he managed to uh, take down the uh, the knight, of course, uh, Hawkins managed to take out the... <laughs> Griswold. Uh, Griswold. Uh, In his own way, you know, he... Uh... It was revealed that he was the Black Fox all along. And uh, my, this is actually one part I really liked about the movie, and uh, it has nothing actually to do with the movie itself. Well, not really. Uh, when, of course, this happens, they get their hands bound in that, and they get oh, brought to the king. Right. Uh, there's the two little people that are actually mm-hmm. uh, dressed up as a guard, and the one cuts the ropes of the uh, of them. He, yep. And when he looks back. Uh, I found this really weird, and I don't know if you will agree with me at this or not, but mm-hmm. that little guy totally reminded me of Charles Bronson from the Death Wish series. I I see what yeah I see what you mean. Like when I saw just that, in I terms was just of like, like his yeah his face, <laughs> his, fa- his yeah. facial features, and he had the mustache and yeah. everything, and I was like, oh my god, is that Charles Bronson for a second? Like <laughs> I, I like thought I like, I thought I was seeing things, and I had to go back, pause, and rewind, and take a look again, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> he looks a lot like that. Speaking of the little people, though, that's another thing that just kind of, like, uh, caught me by surprise, I'll say, just because of the fact that they're, again, pretty pivotal to the plot, and they're never treated like a joke. Oh, at absolutely. At any point in the movie. Like, at the beginning, um, you know, our, our jester talks about how he works with them they're part of his troop they're his friends and things like that and so they help him out with doing stuff and then of course when the actual black fox needs to go there so that they can rescue the child they can rescue the captain and they can rescue the jester and you know overthrow the king and all that stuff overthrow the phony king you know however we're 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 viewing him and so it's like oh we we can't fit through this uh this collapsed tunnel unless we're you know small like a child well good thing we have all these little people they can go and they can save the day and they do yes like uh so that was actually uh (laughs) that that troop Mm -hmm. uh they were actually a group of little people referred to as uh hermione's midgets Oh, so they're actually like a troop of acrobatic uh, performers. Okay, cool. And they were hired. uh, I thought they did an amazing job. Yeah, I I enjoyed it all, even down to the part where they're like all uh, backs are up on the uh, the staircase and they're like (laughs) pushing the the, the knocked out guards up with their legs. Oh, that was unbelievable. (laughs) That was that was that was that was a cute scene. uh at first i was just kind of like this seems really weird that the guards are just letting this happen but then i forget oh wait they were just getting the crap beaten out of them with clubs a few moments ago so i don't think that they can really fight back oh no they basically just gotta let this happen (laughs) um but yeah now we're getting to one of my favorite scenes is the the sword fight 
um, between uh, Danny Kaye and Basil Rathbone. Oh, yes. The sword fights were amazing. I have to say that the sword fights, in my opinion, were not up to the HEMA standards of sword fighting. But uh, they were really good, especially when he's uh, when he's swinging back and forth with mm-hmm. the sword of two hands, just trying to keep that blade away from him. Uh, that was actually a very, very smart move because moving your sword back and forth quickly like that means he cannot thrust. It would just be mm-hmm. deflected away every time he tried. So one of the interesting things that like immediately stuck out to me, well, at first when I saw that Basil Rathbone was in this, I'm like, ooh, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? wait, this isn't a Sherlock Holmes movie, so he's probably a bad guy because he was generally cast as the villains. Um, and because it was a medieval one, I'm like, oh, maybe we're going to get a sword fight because Basil Rathbone was like one of the best sword fighters of his era, you know, using the, the foil and the rapier. So much so that he was like a world champion in World War One, that he was training... Uh, soldiers to use uh, swords and bladed weapons because you know they still did that in World War One, yes. kind of. And when he came to Hollywood to be an actor, basically he was like also the instructor for all of the act. So like Errol Flynn and all of those other guys, they got basically trained by him to do the sword fights that they did in their films but even then when he would be in these films and he would like be on stage and like and on screen and things like that they still had to dumb it down so that it would actually look believable that they could beat him and course, that's and that's what they do here too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so so like there were there were a few times where they like specifically would only have either Basil on screen or they would have Danny on screen, and I just sat there and I'm like, I feel like they're doing this deliberately because the choreography, like, it would look really stupid if we actually had two people, one who's really trained and one who is not anywhere near as experienced. It's just like, no, this guy's not going to win. But, I mean, I I say that because I know, because I've watched a whole lot of other films with him in it, where he, you know, does sword fights and things like that, and I know about his history, too. I get the feeling that for most people watching the movie, they're just like, wow, that's so great. Oh, and it's got the comic aspect too because he keep they keep snapping their fingers and you keep switching back and forth between the different uh personalities. personalities. <laughs> yes, it was perfect. Mhm. Unbelievable. Uh I will say that the movie I felt it ended kind of abruptly because after this sword fight scene uh That's, they basically yeah. it basically came back to the point where uh you know, all the tension was roused and he comes out and says this is not the real king. Uh, the the line of succession, there's still an heir, uh, and they prove it. And they bring out the child who has the purple pimpernel on his bum. Yep. That's something we definitely won't do in a movie these days, have a child where we just keep showing off their bum to everyone. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> definitely is dating itself there. That's like I, the one thing where I just like, we started watching the movie and they're just like, oh, how do we know that it's a child? Well, here we go. And I'm just like, ah. Yeah, that's just something we don't do anymore. 
Let's also uh, point out that another thing we don't do is have everybody sing in unison at the end of the movie as if they're all friends now. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, well that, you that's... think the traitorous king would be uh, hung or have his head chopped off. But, oh, no, no. He has to endure the greatest Canadian punishment of them all. Take part in a sung chorus. <laughs> Just like all the other common folk. It's right up there with the clicks of disappointment. It's the punishments you do not wish to get. I, I, I mean, I feel that that's more just kind of the nature of the genre of the time. Um, I, honestly, it's no different than if you think of like DreamWorks movies these days where it ends with a dance party. That's true. It's very true. That's, that was just the style of the time. So now that we kind of basically went over the whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, let's do a quick little overview. I loved sure. the pacing of this movie. Uh, the cast was unbelievable, very well picked. It uh, it went extremely well. Mm -hmm. um, I love how the characters are somehow both cartoony and believable, like I said earlier. Y yeah. Uh, and honestly, movies these days, I think, could take a, a big page out of this on the sound equalization and control of the volume. Uh, yeah definitely there's too many movies these days where it's like what are they saying what are they saying and then all of a sudden it's gunshots and it's way too loud you know sometimes you have a movie where that's appropriate though like if you're watching something like you know a quiet place oh okay well the quiet place is that's a whole other can of worms there man we gotta we gotta leave that in its own little area and it's okay. perfect the way it is uh but i'm talking about the majority of like action movies and that these days like yeah that's a... even the matrix i say did a terrible job with their sound control uh there's a lot of times where you're like trying to listen in and hear what they're saying and then it's like oh shit now it's all too loud and right oh i, I didn't yeah. enjoy that yeah and i find that okay. they they still do a lot of that and oh, i don't know i'm not a fan of that um, yeah I, I yeah i agree i i understand what you're talking about i just um another thing that i did like about it is even though they did use a lot of words that uh would be considered older um they didn't just tell you what what they're doing they showed you at the same time mm. so you never felt like oh am i missing something uh in some movies like in my opinion of lord of the rings mm -hmm. i love the movie it's a great movie uh but there's a lot of times where it's um oh i, I should say that i'm talking about the original lord of the rings the animated one not oh the, uh, not the newer one. Oh, do you mean where like they... the, the 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 ralph bakshu one yes. the one that has like all the rotoscoping yes 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 and yep yeah. uh there's a lot of things that they say and they don't show. And that oh, kind of left me in yeah, the dark okay. because I, I'll i admit it, when I watched it, I didn't know a whole lot about D&D &D and uh, or, the token lore yeah, and that. So I didn't yeah. I, I didn't play a whole ton of D&D &D back then and uh, I didn't know a lot of the words and what they were mm -hmm. talking about, which kind of confused me. Uh, but in this, they definitely would speak about it and they would show it, which was very nice. It was very... Uh, it kept the pacing feel like everything's moving forward and it, mm -hmm. it's not slowing down. So, like, it holds your hand, sort of, in the sense that they act out what they're talking about and they do it in such a way that you can connect the dots holistically and just be like, oh, okay, that's what they're talking about. Like, I, I gotcha. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sort of so. like... Um, 
kind of like how with Mad Max Fury Road, one of the big complaints that a lot of people had was that there was so little dialogue that they couldn't figure out what was going on. Even though for a lot of other people that are just like, well, it's a visual medium. So if you watch, it kind of does tell you what's going on with the limited dialogue that they give you. This is not a talky movie. It's very true. Um, I did love that actually about Fury Road. Um, I love movies that like, sure, they'll tell you, but mm-hmm. they'll absolutely show you what's going on. I mean, right. if I wanted to uh, watch or if I wanted to do something that uh, things are being told to me, I'll, I'll listen to a podcast or something like that, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Look at me breaking a fourth wall here. <laughs> um, yeah. So ultimately, uh, what were your opinions about this movie? You know what? Let's take it one further. What was one of your critiques about this movie? What was one of the critiques that I had about this? Well, I think I already kind of touched on it, and that was more just the fact that even though it's still like a period film, it's still very much trapped in the stylings of the time, which means that it's just kind of like, oh, we're doing things that, you know, are flashy and look good in the theater, but don't really make a whole lot of sense for the historical period that we're trying to show up. But at the same time, I also sit back and think to myself, I don't feel like any of the actors would have been comfortable jousting. Yes, uh, (laughs) jousting is extremely dangerous, and I don't think that would be something that they would have been very... uh, Considering that it wasn't until like the I don't think 90- their insurance would cover yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> considering that it wasn't until like the nineties when I, um, oh no, I guess maybe the eighties that they started to actually have actual jousting with lances in these types of films. Because for this time period, you didn't have like a stunt person. You you did that stuff, and if you didn't do it, maybe there might be like a double or something like that, and you have like a um, a long shot or something like that, so we can't actually see the actor's face or or their face is covered, and so we can get away with it. But generally speaking, in this time, you did all your stunts yourself, and if you couldn't do them, then you just we didn't write those stunts in because you can't do them without hurting yourself, which is not the point. Exactly, no. Like, Errol Flynn, he did pretty much all of his own stunts. Uh, You know, sometimes to the detriment, because I think much like Jackie Chan breaking his leg every so often, or like once a movie, (laughs) that happened to him a few times too in some of his swashbuckler films. That's honestly the only thing that sticks out to me that I did not like. There's nothing else that I can think of that I did not enjoy from watching this film. It's it's great. I'd have to say the one thing I didn't really like is uh, the whole romance that they kind of forced in there between the captain and uh, Hawkins. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like that wasn't a necessity. I felt like it was kind of thrown in there last minute. It was kind it of... didn't really go anywhere either. So, <laughs> Well, that's a good point. I I kind of liked it. In the sense that it still is kind of abiding by this idea of um, courtly love, as they as they call it for the time period, which is basically, you know, if you are like 
at, in different stations, then you will like write poetry and sing songs and things like that. And all of these kind of like philosophical ways of expressing your love, but you will never touch that other person. You will never touch your beloved. You'll never kiss them or anything like that. You just don't do that. So from that perspective, I, I liked it. I thought it was cute. Although I, but, but he hugged her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he broke the rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, um, I, 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 I absolutely understand where you're coming from. You know, it worked for me. Didn't work for you. So I'd give this a 9.6 out of 10. Of course, round up, but... Uh... <laughs> I would... Uh, yeah, I'd probably say like a solid 10 out of 10 for me. Yep. Um, you know, if there's anyone else who has opinions on any of the romance stuff, because, you know, there's a few people that are involved in... It's like kind of a, a, a sort of triangle that we have between... <laughs> Our two leading ladies and our leading man, <laughs> in a in a, in a sort of way. But I mean, let's be honest. Danny K can sing. Yes, he, he can. can. Do it well. He can sing. He can perform. He can dance. Um, that's one of the big things for me was that I had never heard of him before this, and then I went and I looked him up, and I found out like all the stuff that he did, and I'm just like sitting here going, "Wow!" As a performer, as a as a singer. The fact that I haven't like watched more of his films and stuff like that and just did not know who this person was, that's like kind of a, a bit of a failure on my part, I feel. Because he's so good. Exactly. Yeah, he was amazing. Because like I had never heard of him, you know, in an in a, in and amongst um other guys like Fred Astaire, um, and Gene Kelly and those from the same time period. So how the heck did I just not know about Danny Kay? But now I do. And so I have to say thank you, Miles. Not a problem. Uh, so let us know, everybody, uh, if you've seen this movie, if you like it, or if you have complaints. Uh, also, if you've seen this movie, you like it, and you want to recommend something to us, let us know. Yeah. Uh, by all means, I'm more than happy to watch these older movies. At least give them a shot. There's a few that I have that I'd like to recommend. And uh, we will carry on and yeah. i think that's the end of our episode yep i gotta i gotta show you some old timey films now too miles excellent <laughs> well, well, uh, well you'll have to save that for later because october is coming up and that means we have to get on some possibly ghost stories well all right <laughs> that's what we're gonna do <laughs> we'll see we'll see maybe you can show me some horror too <laughs> yeah that's true all right but <laughs> Nice talking with you. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>